0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Skewed and Reviewed, Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, pop culture, entertainment, and much more. And I'm joined uh, with Justin. Michael is tied up, uh, getting ready for some upcoming assignments that we'll, we'll be talking about if he gets clear. He will be joining us in a few moments, but I also wanted to take a moment to say you can catch us on Sci-Fi Radio. You can also catch us on uh, BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM as uh, we do, uh, I do weekly segments for them about entertainment and uh, gaming and related topics. And, of course, uh, we have an archive of gaming reviews available on Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, keyword skewed, we have skewed and reviewed the magazine, and we, have, which we're working on the new issue. It'll be out at the end of the month. And we, of course, have all kinds of syndication. So uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to dive right into some of the topics at hand. There's a lot going on. And I'm telling you right up front, one of the big things going on is we have two conventions staring at us next weekend. We have group people that will be off covering PAX East, and then... Uh, Michael and I, as well as some of our uh, helpers out in California, will be at uh, WonderCon in Anaheim. And so uh, a lot of double duty for me. For uh, We have a lot of interviews already in the planning stages from uh, film TV, that sort of thing. We'll be able to talk about that more afterwards, but we'll have the videos up after we shoot them. And we also have a panel on the future of the Indiana Jones franchise which will cover everything from games to merchandise to uh, the video uh, or the filmed side of things. So lots and lots going on and um, we will uh, of course keep you updated on that as uh, it comes in. So that basically means going to be a crazy, crazy week. And, uh, you know, for those that have been following, I just got back from California a couple of days ago, uh, where we were covering the Arctic Rescue Hard Hat Tour at SeaWorld. We uh, covered a little bit of the Boysenberry Festival at Knott's Berry Farm, which unfortunately was rained out one of the days we were there. And the other day was uh, drizzly, but we still managed to get in a little bit of stuff. And, uh, you know, then back at a full schedule. So, hit the ground running, let's start off with uh, a little bit of horror, and I want to talk about a PSVR game, PSVR 2 game that I'm playing right now called Switchback VR, and uh, we have some video online, and uh, for those of you that do not know it, a few years ago, for the PSVR, the original one. The company, Supermassive Games, made a game called um, Until Dawn Rush of Blood. And uh, Supermassive has done some uh, very interesting games. Uh, A lot of people definitely note that they have a uh, tendency to do some horror games. So, for example, they've done things like The Devil and Me. They've done The Quarry, which we covered last year. House of Ashes, Little Hope, Little Nightmares, Man of Eden Shattered States, The Inpatient, which was a PSVR. But they also did the action game Bravo Team. Uh, but, you know, for the, uh, they did the original Until Dawn and then uh, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood. So like I said, they have uh, not exclusively um, horror, but they have definitely done a lot of horror games. So Switchback VR... Follows one of the um, ideas between behind until Dawn, Rush of Blood, in that it's a shooter game that players uh, use the controllers to get two weapons. You get power-ups along the way to move your pistols uh, to other kinds of weaponry. So far, I found like a six-shooter and uh, like a Mac 10 pistols. You have to you know reload them and stuff like this. But it's on rails in that you essentially are on a kind of like a theme park roller coaster type situation. So, some places you stop, some places you creep along, other places you really zoom along. The tracks ra- rise, they go down, they curve off to the other side. You occasionally have to lean or duck to uh, dodge obstacles. But of course, the main thing is that all manner of supernatural and creepy things come at you. I've had zombies, I've had bats, I've had things that look like living dolls, I've had uh, twisted sailors, uh, all kinds of things, and you go through all kinds of very unusual locations uh, from like an old boat, I've gone through a house, House on Fire, a very foggy back roads, a lot of standard horror settings, but done in a very fresh way, and like I said I have a video up right now uh, a couple of playthroughs, if you want to have a look at it, you definitely do want to try that. And I've really enjoyed that. That has been, I've enjoyed a lot of the games on the PSVR, too. But right now, this has been the one that is really, um, really engaging. That is for sure. So, Justin, the other thing I wanted to talk about, since we're on a horror topic, is last uh, time we did a show, we talked briefly about Redfall. And going in and stabbing some of the bad guys to take them out and that sort of thing. So I wanted to ask you, what do you make of this brand new story trailer that dropped the other day? Now that you've had a chance to look at it in detail.
1: Yeah, so um, basically it kind of details the main premise of the game, which uh, basically centers on uh, yet, yet another um evil corporation has uh, um, d- d- run by people with too much hubris and um, end up causing this uh, vampire outbreak. Um, I guess that's where I might be a little apprehensive about the premise in general is um, I- I'm kind of curious how they sell this. So, um, you know, w- with with horror, oftentimes you can kind of go in two directions, right? So, uh, most zombie fiction usually centers on some kind of virus. It's usually some, something man-made, you know, Umbrella Corporation has created a, a virus that has uh, turned everybody into zombies or, um, you know, maybe it's something naturally occurring like the, the porticeps um, in the last of us or the walking de- or the uh, virus in the walking dead, um, you know, or you can kind of go in the more supernatural route, which I think a lot of the, uh, Um, George Romero um, movies tended to go in that direction, something that was more supernatural. Um, With vampires, I'm kind of curious to see how they sell this. So uh, if you watch the trailer, it's very clearly, like, they are very supernaturally, like, uh, they have very clear supernatural powers. Like, they black out the sun, they, um, you know, have these, like, glowing halos and things like that. So um, I guess I'm, I'm both kind of curious uh but a little apprehensive on just the premise of uh how does a um how does a pharmaceutical company create an outbreak of vampires that have like clearly magic powers um but uh it is a kind of an interesting take i mean that that's i I don't mean to sound negative on it it's just it's more of an uphill um it's it's more of an uphill struggle to kind of explain that um, in a way that makes sense, but, uh, you know, it looks good, it looks very interesting, I do like the designs of everything, so, uh, it has that very, you know, kind of like a, almost like a stranger thing, I don't, it's, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's almost like this kind of, like, pulpy horror, um, vibe to it, so I, I am curious to see, um, how they sell the premise, and, you know, the art style looks good, it looks, the gameplay looks like it's very clearly, uh, arcane uh, studios which, you know, they they have an incredible sense of detail, so I'm curious to see how it plays out.
0: I think one of the uh, things behind it is that they're trying hard not to do standard, uh, by the standard by-the-book vampire thing, so one of the ideas is, okay, you know, let's take a... And I, I know there are two entirely different things, but I think it's almost like a little bit of the Resident Evil in that let's uh, call it a uh, infestation rather than just say, hey, these vampires exist and they're in this town all of a sudden, so they can play with it, and I think the whole idea with it is that it's going to allow them to have all kinds of mutations and variations on the standard vampire, because you know, let's be honest, just looking at the story trailer, you see the vampires doing some things that you normally don't anticipate with it, and I think that's kind of the problem that a lot of these um, games are faced with in that how do you move a mythos forward without repeating yourself but at the same time um, you know I I think you kind of have to look at Blade almost as an example in that this was the first time we didn't have them going through going after vampires with the wooden stake and the mallet and the cross and the thing of holy water. I mean, he he had a full arsenal of weaponry uh, to take them out. And I think that's kind of what they're looking at is that if you're going to be doing, can you imagine if this was a first-person perspective game, uh, which it is, but you had to use basically a wooden stake, holy water, uh, or a cross to take them out? It would be difficult. So they, I think, realized, all right, if we're going to have to be doing Uh, first-person shooter, then we have to mix it up a bit and make it uh, a bit justified. And I think there's also, with a lot of these games, you obviously can't expect realism and you can't say, well, wait a second, vampires do this and vampires don't do that. I think it's a case of, by introducing a corporate angle, everything you know is off the table, so therefore they're free to do... uh, Take a lot of creative license, shall we say. And I think, you know, the main thing is the proof is going to be in the gameplay. And if they deliver on that, I think we are going to be in for a real treat. I know a lot of people are really looking forward to it, and, uh, you know, won't be too long until we're all in there blasting away. So not too much longer. Um, Sticking with uh, Bethesda wanted to ask you about the new Ghostwire content. So would you be kind enough to bring everyone up to speed on that and then a, explain a little bit about why this is uh, rather interesting and, for some people, debatable bit of news?
1: Yeah, so um, on April 12th, Bethesda the and uh, the developer Tango, uh, Tango Gameworks rather will launch a free update uh, to Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, With an all-new game mode, new areas to explore, expanded story cutscenes, quality of life improvements, and more um, for PlayStation 5 and PC. Um, It will launch on Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Series X um, as well. Uh, The new content and gameplay modes include the Spider's Thread update will offer uh, basically a a complete version of the game. so the new game mode uh tasks players to navigate thirty stages uh a thirty stage gauntlet of of challenges um from one hundred and twenty craft uh, handcrafted levels so basically it's kind of like a um a challenge mode that has a lot of replay value um it also adds new locations to visit um in Tokyo um and some other quality of life improvements. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. Um, I didn't actually end up playing Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, I, it was one of the ones I was kind of interested in checking out, but uh, I had heard some mixed things about it and I wonder if this is kind of like their way of, um, kind of bringing it up to speed. So to kind of address some of the things that people, um, had criticized of it. So this might be one of those where if you had waited, um, if you were someone like me who was waiting, Um, to get in on it, that maybe this is now the time to do it.
0: Yeah, and what's interesting about it, for those that don't follow, is there's a debate about this, because this game was put out as a PC and PlayStation exclusive prior to Microsoft uh, acquiring Bethesda. And so it was kind of one of these... um, Well, in this case, Time Contract, uh, Contracted Timed Exclusive, because it originally came out on the PlayStation uh, 4 and, or PlayStation system, and then, of course, the PC system, and now it's available on Xbox. So, for those that aren't aware, there is a debate going on right now in terms of is this um, new content? Essentially contracted, meaning that they were since it came out on the uh, PlayStation first. Is this required updates, or is this a Microsoft basically saying, "Look, we can play nice with Sony. We were not under any obligation to do this, and we're doing so." And you know, I made a I made a comment uh, when the news broke, and someone said. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading off a thread here on M4G.com. Uh, sweet, looking forward to trying it. Yet another case of Microsoft continuing to support and update content on games released outside of their platform. And that got 25 upvotes, 39 downvotes. And I said, to be fair, I believe there were agreements in place before they took over Bethesda, because so this could simply be contracted updates. Got 39 upvotes for that, 10 downvotes. And someone says, well, this is outside of their contractual obligations. Microsoft is doing what a publisher do, support existing games on other consoles. And others have come back and said, well, do you have any proof that this isn't a contractual update? Uh, you know, has this ever happened on the last two gens, though, where a publisher drops support on an already existed, uh, existing game to only work on one platform? And needless to say, um, you know, there, the proof is that the exclusivity contract ends in a few weeks. It's only a year contract. Plus, this game is on PSN uh, Plus, so it's Minecraft Dungeons, blah 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 blah. They talk about Deathloop being on Plus last year, and so on. So, needless to say, it is a—I um, uh, don't want to say contentious—but there's a lot of debate over that. Do you have an opinion on that, Justin?
1: You know, no, I, I kind of, I get why a lot of this stuff matters a lot to, to a lot of people just because, you know, the, what really makes, uh, console platforms different are their exclusive, their, their exclusives. But in this day and age, you know, to be honest, most of, most of what is exclusive, um, are, are basically kind of business deals of, um, timed exclusivity, because there's somebody who's, who's making kind of a third-party game that, uh, you know, is only going to be exclusive for um, a short amount of time. So, uh, unless you're like Nintendo, or in in some cases, Sony, who have in-house um, development studios who are making the game, you know, Sony making a game for Sony platform, or Nintendo making games for for their Nintendo platforms, like, you, I don't mm-hmm. think there's an inherent expectation that, these deals, um, are going to stay, um, static for, for very long. Um, I just think it's natural for Capcom to want their game to be on as many platforms as possible. Now, whether they have a time exclusivity deal, um, you know, that's, that's pretty normal nowadays, but I, I have basically no expectations these days that if, if, if a third party game comes out, uh, on one platform, I think eventually it's going to come out on all.
0: Yeah, and that's true. And you know, whether it's uh, Capcom, whether it is uh, Bethesda or whomever, you know, this is the thing. We don't, the public does not know all the details, and nor should they, as to exactly what the terminology for a exclusive deal is. You know, the fact that they say it's a timed exclusive, or it's not a um, timed exclusive. Who knows? It is just basically the way it is, and we know that this has become a big issue now, either requiring studios or timed exclusives, and you know, call it what you will, I think, unfortunately, as this Microsoft Blizzard um, Activision thing drags on, this is becoming an even bigger deal, and you know, it's, it's interesting because this week you have the Game Developer Conference going on, and I'm curious how much of this stuff Is going to come up as the people in the industry essentially meet and do focus groups and talk and network and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, it it will be very, very interesting to follow that. Uh, Other thing I wanted to mention real quickly is Diablo 4 is in beta. The uh, open up, uh, the full open beta is going to be uh, coming up very soon. We got the early access going on. I've got a bit of gameplay up from it and I'm really enjoying it. There's a lot of, Walking around a lot of slang, I'm trying to remember how to get back into uh, the mode. Uh, you know it seems like I got defaulted into a female character uh, so you know as the game goes on, I'm sure we'll have other options on how to change things around because I've seen other people with male characters and maybe I just missed a uh, you know something early in the gameplay process, but um, really looking forward to seeing where everything goes with this and uh, a lot of fun we'll be having more comments next week as uh, some of the other team gets to talk about it so uh, looking forward to that but if you definitely have not had a chance to look in on it definitely do so if you're a fan of any of the diablo games or any role-playing game you are definitely going to want to have a look at it just remember it is still a beta it's still a work in process it is not indicative of what the final game is going to be but it does give you a very good idea of what the direction and gameplay currently is. Now, switching gears, uh, talking about a lot of games, and uh, this week PAX East is coming up. It is going to be taking place Friday through Sunday in Boston. We have a team of four people there. They're going to be uh, meeting up with some people. They will be doing some videos and pictures and uh, some, like I said, meetings, and then of course we also have one person Who is going to be doing a panel on the best and the worst Spider-Man games of all time? So you will definitely want to check that out. And uh, just real quick, Justin, uh, I you know not sure which way everything is going on that, but do you have any expectations
1: for Pax East right now? You know, no, I don't. um, This comes up, you know, these days it's it's harder to have. a lot of expectations cause you never know at Paxi, some of them have been big and have a lot of news and other ones. It's basically more just, uh, an event for a lot of fans of different things to get together. So it's, I, I sort of lean on, on the latter these days. I, I really don't expect much, uh, as far as news coming out of it. Um, but, uh, you never know, you know, there, there might be some cool panels and some cool, um, you know, interviews and things like that. But I think overall it's probably going to be a pretty, uh, pretty mild, uh, Pretty mild show.
0: Yeah, I, I'm curious because, you know, I was looking through the exhibitor list and you see some hardware people like Audio-Technica and um, Corsair are going to be there. Devolver is going to be there and, you know, Discord. But obviously a lot of uh, indies as has been uh, the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the, you know, nature of trade shows, and we'll talk about this more down the line, but like E3 has come out and said uh, Ubisoft is going to be there. They are not going to be the only AAA publisher. There's going to be a lot of them. Uh, we're waiting to see what uh, Summer Game Fest has for their lineup and, uh, you know, what details of the live show. So, you know, that was interesting. And as you said, uh, may not be a lot of news, but it'll be uh, interesting to see what's there. And one of the things that uh, caught my eye, and I thought this one kind of surprised me, so we've already heard news that Nintendo, uh, Microsoft, and Sony will not be taking part at E3, Uh, but... um, Nintendo uh, is going to be at PAX East with the Nintendo VS Arcade. And that kind of, you know, a lot of people were like, all right, that's interesting. You're not going to E3, but you're going to this one. Uh, So, you know, a lot of uh, stuff to keep an eye out. And, you know, sometimes at these things, you'll have a company that doesn't have a lot of buzz going in and they will absolutely shock everybody by debuting a game that looks significantly better than people expect at one of these showcases. Uh, at the same time, we also have seen years where it has been a lot of indie games, uh, and you know it, it's been hard for something to really, really get traction and stand out. I mean, there was a game the other day that I just uh, got my hooks on, and... I'm going to be putting up some video, but it, it's very uh, a little awkward gameplay, and by that I mean it's called. Uh, see if I can get this name right. It's called Barrow Trauma, and essentially it's kind of like a ragdoll physics submarine game, and you can either play it as solo or co-op, and. You have to go through, and there's different levels to the submarine, and you open doors and close doors. Some areas are flooded. You have to find, like, breathing apparatus, oxygen tanks, the correct tool, fix certain equipment, rewire certain equipment. Sometimes, apparently, there's a combat element. You die a lot. Let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things I found uh, that gets a little awkward is that, um, oh, what's a nice kind way of putting it? is that you end up running into, um, oh, you end up with like some control issues, like you're clicking away and something's not quite working for you and that sort of thing. so uh, But a lot of people seem to really enjoy it, so go figure. I think it's definitely one that we'll definitely want to keep an eye on. Before we get to the next topic, I just wanted to mention the box office numbers for the week have just dropped. And uh, first off, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, $30,500,000. Uh, is a drop um, from what the original one debuted. It is below expectations. Worldwide, sixty-five million five hundred. Uh, Justin, what do you make of this? Is that something DC should be concerned about?
1: Uh, I think a little, just... You know, I, I think they've already kind of determined what it what works, or I should say that they have determined that what they were doing uh, already uh, has not been working. So they already kind of have announced a course correction. So I think there are going to be some movies that come out, um, you know, from the old way their, their old approach, and this was one of them. So you know, it is probably a disappointment for them, but probably not, you know, outside of expectations
0: yeah and i think one of the biggest concerns was we don't see a number on it but i did see that the reviews were below what they were expecting and um the box office is tracking lower than the first one and you know when you consider that um the previous shazam and the black adam film did not crack 400 million dollars um, you know, it, it does make you wonder that, uh, some people say, well, uh, Ant-Man has not hit the numbers that they had hoped and this one isn't hitting the numbers. So maybe, maybe the superhero fatigue is starting to catch on, um, to some, I, I've never quite believed that because I've always believed that, um, A quality film will still draw people because we've seen some, uh, you know, like, for example, they were talking about superhero fatigue with the Marvel films, and then you ended up seeing very good box office return for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, But then you saw other things didn't quite do what they had thought. So I think it's a case that perhaps with so much content, people are being more discerning and that they aren't necessarily saying, okay, this is great, I'm going to accept this and just go with it. And I think you're seeing people being a little more vocal about what they like about something and what they didn't like. And I think uh, the question is going to be, is Marvel going to adapt? It appears that they are going to, at the very least, uh, slow down the production, perhaps spend more time on certain things. We already knew about the, you know, Blade movie getting... um, delay in production, changing up the director, and then, uh, you know, essentially the script getting reworked. So it will be interesting to see what they have. Now, the final thing I wanted to talk about is a crazy rumor about the new Avatar film. And uh, as we know, Avatar 3, 2 and 3, were filmed I know way of the water and so on and so forth. But for our purposes, we're going to call it 2 and 3 just because we do not have an official title for the third film yet. We know that it is due out next year. And then sometime after that, the fourth and the fifth films are uh, going to come. Now, here is the interesting thing. We had a lot of people complain, and I didn't think it was warranted, but a lot of people thought the three-hour and change runtime for the second film got a bit too long, that sort of thing. Well, Justin, I have been told, and there are rumors, that there's actually two potential cuts of Avatar 3 coming. Now, I don't know how much I put into this, but apparently uh, they're claiming this one article I saw, and I have not been able to verify it. I want to make abundantly clear about that. They're claiming that there'll be a theatrical release, obviously, and that there's actually a nine-hour cut of the film that will be put into uh, a Disney Plus series. And my thought on it was I just don't see James Cameron filming nine hours worth of content for a single movie because he would know that, you know, three and a half hours probably tops as what his runtime would be. And considering the extravagant cost of all the CGI related to that type of film, I couldn't imagine him filming five and a half hours worth of additional content unless that was essentially going to be rolled over and become Avatar 4. So what do you make of all this?
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think that's a I believe it when I see it kind of situation. Um, you know, uh, if it was a series, then maybe like if it was split up over a course of like 10, 10 episodes, then then maybe. But with the amount of money that that would cost, it would be um, it would be quite something. So uh, I, I that's a that's definitely a, I'll believe it when I see it.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, did he not recently say something to the effect of I don't think a TV series would work for the show at the time because of the cost uh, involved with it? And, you know, the other thing, too, is he went into this, everything we've been told, is he went into this to film two and three back-to-back. And, you know, I get it. There's often footage that you film and that doesn't, you know, make the cut or doesn't work out and that's fine. That's the nature of the filmmaking process. But again, nine hours worth of content is essentially three Avatar films. That's Avatar 1, 2, and 3 right there. And then the cost of motion capture, CGI, all of that would be through the roof. And the only way I could see that happening is if someone said, hey, you know, in the process of filming Avatar 2 and 3, nine hours worth of content was filmed so then i could look at it and say all right i might be willing to believe that you know maybe each one had roughly a four hour and change cut and they said okay we've got to trim about an hour and a half off or we've got to trim an hour off each of these films so that means somewhere there's about two hours two and a half hours of you know deleted scenes and content sitting around but again it comes back to they're not going to go through all the trouble of finishing this and doing all the CGI on it just to scrap it. Now, if it is content, we also did here, if I'm not mistaken, did they not say that they filmed a small amount of the fourth film as well when they were filming all of this stuff? So, you know, maybe that's exactly it. It's, It's two, three, a little bit of four. And, you know, stick that together and you might have, nine hours worth of film and deleted scenes, but I just I, I couldn't imagine that. And besides, Cameron, while he is very creative and he's very hands-on, I think even he knows that nine hours of a single story just is not feasible, and I just couldn't imagine him going through the time to write that much without the idea that it would be split into multiple films. So go figure. Crazy things out there, crazy world. That is going to do it for us today, folks. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. Stay safe, and as soon as we get back from all of our convention coverage next week, we look forward to talking with you. Until then, take care.